Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly. That's right, that is right. We got a real cool episode for y'all today. Me and Ray went digging deep, you know, we're saying, what's some of of these weird, cool creatures, you know, uh, you know, that have been caught out there in the wilderness, you know what I mean? Some of the weirdest looking. This one caught my eye mainly because of the look of this one, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's got a cool name, the Flatwoods Monster, you know what I mean? Um, now, it says monster doesn't have anything to do with alien or anything like that, a cryptoid or, you know what I mean? It's an official monster, Ray, you know. But I, I, I happen to feel it, it leans a little bit towards the alien side of things. What, what's your take? Um, I can see the alien ad aspect of it. I can also see the cryptoid aspect it could go to me it could go either way alien very heavy yeah yeah monster is a big blanket type uh type type you know term for what we're looking at here anything out of the norm they were calling people monsters back in the 50s as well you know what i mean so let's talk a little bit about the flatwoods monster or we're going to call it the Flatwoods being for a little bit to be, you know, politically correct, to be nice to other, you know, species and, and uh, things out there in the great beyond. All right, now we'll go back to the monster, though. So the Flatwoods monster, also known as the Braxton County monster or the phantom of the Flatwoods, uh, is West Virginian folklore. It's an entity reported to have been sighted in the town of Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia, United States, on September 12, 1952. Uh, the following uh, appearance of a bright object crossing the night sky. Over 50 years later, investigators concluded that the light was a meteor and that the creature was a barn owl perched in a tree with shadows, making it appear to be a large humanoid. Now, that's a very interesting thing. You know what I mean? I know we, we were talking about this before a little bit about um, the vibe of what, they, what the owl like. We've seen pictures where it kind of um, took on the look of an owl. You know what I mean? They did a, a split thing where they, t- they split it right down the middle and they compare it, put an owl split right next to it. And you do kind of get that weird, interesting vibe of it. Um, and we can end the show because I think we're kind of all on the same page now, right? So it was a good episode. And uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, folks. Um, but definitely, if you're out there listening to the show right now, hit that good old Google or, or break out the phone or your laptop or whatever and actually take a peek and look at the Flatwoods Monster. Because as, you, as we go through this episode, I think it's important to be able to have a visual in your head of what this thing looks like. Uh, and it's very... You know, I think I think the it's 1950s, 1952. I think the science fiction culture is to is to kind of blame for how they describe this thing and the imagination going haywire. And if I remember correctly, this was the the second time that alien things have popped up into the pop culture at this time. Roswell, I think, was the first thing, and then this was the second thing that was brought up. So it's quite possible people kind of vibe people kind of want to make you know say that they've seen this because of they heard of roswell or something and the alien alien culture i think was really starting to kick off at this point or at least sightings of people seeing them you know what i mean well you had a lot of paranoia and fear at that time because you're talking about uh that was 
right after, I think it was the late 40s, when uh, it was the first time that Russia set off a nuclear bomb. There was the Cold War going on. There was a lot of stuff. I can remember as a child, um, we had the drills in school where you had to hide under the desk in case of a nuclear attack. So there's a lot of paranoia going on. So a lot of uh, different things that were seen automatically, it was like uh, it's alien or it's everything was seen as a threat. Everybody was afraid. Yeah. The atomic age. That the atomic age back then. Is that what that was? Well, like the science fiction world. In the science fiction world, it's the atomic age. It's where you have all of those films, whether it's Godzilla, it came from beneath the sea, um, Um, beasts from 20,000 fathoms, them, all of these things all came out at that time. And they all have that theme of, uh, radiation, the bomb and mutations coming up. So yeah, it was, it was a time where everyone was afraid. Kind of like now. Yeah. Oh, so let's get a little into, uh, the, the first encounter. The first time that the Flatwoods, uh, entity has come into our, uh, our known, uh, world to, to be, to be talked about, you know, again, go check out pictures of this thing because, it's got to be one of my most favorite things we've ever talked about look-wise, you know what I mean? So, at around 7.15 p.m. on September 12, 1952, two brothers, Edward and Fred May, and their friend Tommy Heyer, witnessed a bright object across the sky. Now, they called him Tommy Heyer because he always had the marijuana on him. The object appeared to come to rest in land, uh, on the land belonging to a local farmer, G. Bailey Fisher, no uh, relation. Upon witnessing the object, the boys went to the home of the May brothers' mother, Kathleen May, where they reported seeing a UFO crash land in the hills. From there, Mrs. May was accompanied by the three boys, uh, West Virginia National Guardsman Eugene Lemon. We'll call him Gene for for our our sake. uh, And local children, including Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver. They called him Shaver because he was shaving really young. They uh, traveled to the Fisher farm in an effort to locate whatever it was that the boys had seen. Lemon's dog is said to have ran ahead out of sight and suddenly began barking. Now, I did in another previous story, I did read that when the, when it crashed, the kids were playing uh, at like the elementary school in the yard, in the field or whatever, and they seen the thing hover over them and crash on top of the hill. And at that point, half of the kids took off up the hill and then half, and then like two of the kids went to go get the mother, the May, the May kids went to go get their mother. Um, and then they all met back up at top of the hill, but back to the story. Then they ran back uh, to the group moments later. Well, let's see. Lemon's dog then rang back to the group later with its tail between its legs. Uh, when the group reached the top of the hill, they reportedly saw a large pulsating, ball of fire about 50 feet to their right. They also detected a pungent mist that made their eyes and noses burn. Lemon noticed two small lights over to the left of the object. Underneath a nearby oak tree and directed his flashlight towards them, revealing the entity, which was reported to have emitted a shrill hissing noise before gliding towards them, changing the direction then heading off towards the red light. At this point, the group fled in panic. 
uh, much like I think anybody would in that situation. So, like, they, they, you know, they go up to the hill. They see this. They, they, they see, you know, there was another story where they said they seen a craft and there were, the trees were burnt. You know what I mean? Um, it was sulfur smell when they got to the top of it. Uh, as I read this story for the first time, uh, one of the, the original time, the original story I read, it was, like I said, the, the, the group broke up. And instead of the dog going up there first, it was some kids. And, and then when the, I, and then when the, when the, the, the May kids returned with their mother and the National Guards dude, so, and they, 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 as they approached everything, they seen the burnt trees and the smell of sulfur. And I was waiting for them to find those kids melted down in the black ooze. Like, uh, what, what was that? Alaska, the, what was that? Uh, the Skinwalker Ranch when they were, when yeah. they, where they, the, the, the cattle got melted down into like black ooze. Uh, that's what I was expecting to hear, something like that. But I guess they caught back up with them, which is a positive story. You know what I mean? Um, and then, like they said, they see the balls, of, the ball of light thing, and then they, they they hear a rustling in the woods. They the other story says they heard a swishing sound, and as they look, they turn their flashlights to the left or whatever. In the woods, they seen this this. Got to go check out the picture, folks. You know, I can't explain it as good as it looks. But they see this. Uh, they said it was 15 feet in their, their uh, examination. It was 15 feet tall, and it was hissing at them. And it started to float out from uh, the woods towards them, at which time they fled, which, uh, uh, dude, I would have been flowing. You wouldn't have seen my, my feet hitting the ground. I would have been floating, running back to the house. It would have been uh, good stuff. And that's where we are now. Uh, upon returning home, Mrs. May contacted local sheriff Robert Carr and a Mr. A. Lee Stewart, co-owner of the Braxton Democrat, a local newspaper. Stewart conducted a number of interviews and returned to the site with Lemon later that night, where he reported that there was a sickening burnt metallic odor still prevailing. Sheriff Carr and his deputy, Burnell Long, searched the area separately, but reported finding no trace of the encounter other than the smell. Um, you know, uh, so in certain situations, there, there's there's remnants of things being burned, like trees and stuff, and certain ones they're not, because that would be kind of an issue, too, for the, if these sheriffs showed up, you figure, and there was burnt fucking ground and burnt earth and burnt trees, and, you know, everything was all burnt up, you would be like, all right, something's up. You know, just by the weird smell and stuff, you, you kind of, you'd hope that they would go further, but they probably just went to bed and forgot about it. Early the next morning, Stewart visited the site of the encounter for a second time and discovered two elongated tracks in the mud, as well as traces of a thick black liquid. Now, that thick black liquid uh, was also brought up in the Skinwalker Ranch episode, Mutilate the Beef. You know what I mean? Where, like we were just talking about moments ago with the black, where they got turned into the black liquid. So that black liquid does kind of tie into kind of these these visitor visitation type scenarios you know what i mean and i remember in that situation there was a smell of formaldehyde with the with the black liquid he immediately reported them as being possible signs of a saucer landing they have a book about that you know how to tell what a what's a saucer and what's a plane based on the premise that the area had not been subjected to vehicle traffic for the last year It was later revealed that the tracks were likely to have been those of a 1942 Chevrolet pickup truck driven by local Max Lockard. 
No, they're getting big. They like to do the old. They like to the, to lock it out for you too. Who had who had gone to the site to look for the creature some hours prior to Stewart's discovery? So they 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 kind of nip that one in the butt right there, which is good. You like to get you like I like the stories where you, they get the stuff that they don't know the truth to. They let linger and let you let you go. Hey, we don't know, but here's a fact that we do know. And if it kind of diminishes what you think, unfortunately, it is what it is. But it's a fact. I do like that because then they're not just going with the flow of the story. You know what I mean? Well, I got a, I got a view on some of that. I believe later on, yeah. uh, the government investigated the possibility it was a UFO. Mm-hmm. And that, ha- that happened a little later on when the story got big. And what comes to my mind is that, oh, yeah, we saw this. Uh, then someone else says, no, it wasn't there. And then, like, oh, yeah, there were these tracks. And then a little while later, no, that was a truck. I mean, that really sounds like the government trying to cover it up. Yeah. It the, ones, the ones that they could buy off or threaten change their story or suddenly someone comes forward. And it's kind of like, oh, no, it's not. And it's kind of like, well, why didn't you say that when it, you know, six months ago or a year ago when it happened and stuff? All of a sudden, out of this big news, people come out of the woodwork. Um, after the government, let's say, after the government investigates, so when they first start getting curious. Yeah. And a National Guardsman was one of the first on the scene, so the government probably would find out about it pretty quick. Yeah. They would have they would have proper time to be able to do what they need to do and stuff. Um, I'm surprised there wasn't no casualties to this, you know what I mean? It was a pre-casualty visitation. After the event, Mr. William uh, and, Donna, and Donna Smith, investigators associated with Civilian Saucer Investigation, L.A., obtained a number of accounts from witnesses who claimed to have experienced similar or related phenomena. These accounts included the story of a mother and a 21-year-old daughter who claimed to have encountered a creature with the same appearance and odor prior, a week prior to the September 12th incident. The encounter reportedly affected the daughter so badly that she was confined to Clarksburg Hospital for three weeks. Um, so a brief description real quick. Is this kind of thing, it does kind of have the vibe of a, um, like an alien type deal. The best way to describe it is it has, it's almost like a face, which they, they claim to be orange or red color. Sometimes it's green. And it's kind of got these big eyes, a small mouth. It has almost a spade-type shape that goes behind its head, almost like a queen would have, which I don't know if that's some type of protective hood or whatever it may be. In certain pictures, it looks like it's a, it's a cloak. Maybe it can cover the face or it's a cloak-type hood. Um, it hovers. It has no feet. It almost has a weird dress-type vibe to it. It looks like it's wearing a weird dress. Um, people have said that it looks, it's looked metallic, like it was machinery, which in that case, it does look like an old school science fiction robot from that time, what it would look like, you know what I mean? But I think the science fiction stories and these real life stories go so hand in hand that you can't really see where the lines blur, you know what I mean? They're so, you know, it gets mixed up so much, especially through, through secondhand stuff. But definitely go peep this out. This is definitely something that if you've seen hissing, you've seen this thing floating at you and hissing, 
then yeah, you would be you would need a couple you need a couple weeks at Clarksburg Hospital as well, like this lady's daughter, twenty uh, one year old too. So she could have started drinking, but instead she lost her mind so much she immediately went to the hospital, which is good. Uh, mental health over alcohol any day of the week. So that's one other case that was traumatic. You know what I mean? They also gathered a statement from a mother of Eugene Lemon. You know, Lemon from before, which uh, in which she said that at the approximate time of the crash, her house had been violently shaken and her radio had cut out for 45 minutes. And a report from the director of the local board of education in which he claimed to have seen a flying saucer taking off at 6.30 a.m. on September 13th, the morning after the creature was sighted. Now. That's the local board of education. So that kind of goes into the whole deal of like, there's kind of a reputation to withhold. You would, you would expect truth from this gentleman. You know what I mean? Um, so that brings a little, that brings a little credit, more credibility to it must to, to me personally. I'm sure you as well. Um, the lady's house violently shaken, you know, that kind of makes sense. You know, and the radio being cut off for 45 minutes, that would make sense, too, with any frequencies being lost with, with something like that in the area. You know what I mean? I think it would suck out all the, 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 the you know, the, the frequencies. What's your take on something like this? That one. Well, that story. Uh, the house shaking could be, a, could be a variety of things, but I agree. If you're talking about a large, let's say, a craft going close to the house, the vibrations, the loss of the radio... Uh, electrical disturbance, who knows? Um, if you're talking about an alien craft, electromagnetic energy, a whole variety of different things, that that could definitely, that technology could easily disrupt our very primitive technology in comparison. And if you're also taking a look, taking that someone on the school board that's willing to speak up and put their reputation and their job on the line, it's got. It's got to be something that scared the crap out of them for the dude to take that risk, because they they were risking everything. Yeah, and if he's seen, if he's seen, and there had to have been other people who seen the flying saucer as well. Another thing I wanted to add to the description of it is it has twisted, like spindy hands that are kind of like claws. You know what I mean? So they're like thin, long claw-like, fingery type deals, which is super creepy to begin with. Very crab-like. Um. Very scary stuff. Um, after the encounter, several members of the September 12th group reported suffering from similar symptoms, which persisted uh, for some time, and which they attributed to having been exposed to the mist emitted by the entity, which, yeah, you would assume, even if it was like their fuel burning or if it was something they left for, you know. You almost feel like if they were, if they do all these tests and all this weird research while they're here, like they would, you think if you were, you wanted to infect the specimen to follow and trace that you just put something in the air to have them breathe. Um, the symptoms included irritation of the nose and swelling of the throat, you know, and they're breathing in some heavy duty bad shit. Uh, Lemon is said to have suffered from vomiting and convulsions throughout the night and had difficulties with his throat for several week, weeks afterward. A doctor who treated several of the witnesses is reported to have described their symptoms as being similar to victims of mustard gas. 
though such symptoms are also commonly found in, in sufferers of hysteria, which can be brought on by exposure to a traumatic or shocking event. Mustard gas. Maybe these people gave us a mustard gas. You know, we talked about this on the show before where it's like alien life could be just like human life in the sense that there could be ones, bad ones out there, good ones out there. You know, who's to say that there's a, that, that there, who's to say that there isn't a constant fight for our world every second that we don't even know about? That, that we could be this, this, this resource of hope or something crazy. Humanity at its best could be a great thing, you know what I mean? And who's to say that we're not being fought over at this very second and don't even realize it? And, and hopefully the, the, right, the right side wins because when the bad side wins, it could be problematic. You know, and maybe we get visitations from both. And in a situation like this, you know, maybe this is like, he almost looks like Darth Vader. You know, maybe this is the dark side of the alien life, you know what I mean? And he comes down, and those are the ones that take people and do as they wish. And when you see more more happier encounters, it's, it's the better ones. There's not too many happier encounters, but uh, it's the better ones, you know. What's your take on that one, Ray? Them, them well, fighting over us 24-7. Well, I think that, uh, well, first the mist thing, who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe they, if they come from a different atmosphere, they could have been venting their, their ship and... Uh, what they vented out was toxic to people, but right. if you go to the good or the good and the bad ones, if you take uh, both in mythology and also in religious beliefs and faith systems, there's always the fight of, between good and evil yeah. over the soul over the souls of mankind. Yeah. Well, who's to say if you also leave open the option in a universe, at least one that we know of, never mind a multiverse and what's beyond it. But you have the option there that uh, there is life among these billions of galaxies that they don't have some of the traits that uh, we have, which is uh, different ones fighting against each other because they're different. Uh, maybe they're fighting over us because they want the planet. Um, yeah, good and bad. It shows up in many, many motifs, many uh, belief systems and this. I believe it is totally possible if you're dealing with extraterrestrial life that there is good and there is bad. I think Stephen Hawkins was the one who said that he was afraid if we contacted that uh, alien life because they might look down on us or be destructive, which again, that's been a theme in a lot of movies and a lot of books. So yeah, good and bad. Yeah, they could have been some nasty ones on making a pit stop on Earth and some people suffered for it. Yeah. And it's a high possibility, very high possibility that they they might you know it's a fifty fifty that they you could either be one or the other you know what I mean? there's very few neutral and uh, why why else would you the true question is why else would you leave your world to go visit another one would it be exploration or could it be dominance those are the two big ones and there could be a very thin line between those two things as well it could, uh, it could also be that you know it could be a malicious act where they're doing this on purpose to see how people, and it could be just accidental. They didn't realize that whatever that was coming out of that ship or whatever they did would hurt people. There's a lot of possibilities there. In alien religion, <laughs> the fallen angels fall to, fall to earth. And that's who we deal with. There you go. 
a lot of the people that have seen this thing that don't even know each other described it the same way. Again, go look at pictures of this thing. It'll blow your mind a little bit. I don't want to overhype it, but uh, it has quite a look to it. And we're going to get into the appearance that the people have said that they've seen. I know the first time when they, when they, when, you know, everybody that was on that Hill reported it the same way. But with that one, you can't, you kind of really can't lean, give it too much. I mean, of course, they're, they could be telling the truth, of course, but that you also have to take into consideration they were all together and, you know, they could have devised a plan. Not saying they did, but they could have, and then it grow from there. But I, I, the way this thing looks, and it does, it, it, like it talked about the owl thing, that the owl thing does play a part into it, but the owl thing also plays a part into the alien thing, where if anybody's out there seen like the fourth kind, you know, that the, the, the look of an owl, you know, has a very alien look to it, so to speak. So without without any further uh, talking, uh, me trying to describe you in my way of uh, what it looks like, let's get some firsthand accounts of what people think. Not what they think, my God, what they know and believe this to be. All right, Kathleen May described it as green, but others say that it was shiny, metallic, black, uh, maybe ref- maybe reflected the green of the nearby bushes. You know what I mean? That's a possible thing. Um, their metallic would be shiny, like shining up their armor, I imagine. Uh, it was dark, and they only saw the creature for a few seconds by the view of the flashlight. The entity has been referred to as the Green Monster. Now, here in Boston, we have our own Green Monster. It's a little bit bigger. But uh, a bat will do the trick in both in both occasions, I'm told. The witnesses described the monstrous form as having red, glowing, non-human, round head and large, circular, pointed, uh, cowling appearance behind the head. Uh, in the shape of the ace of spades, baby. You know what I mean? The ace of spades. Uh, all of the witnesses agreed on the hood-like shape. Yeah, the hood-like thing, it, 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 I'm very curious. I feel like it could be a protective thing as well as, a, you know, like I, I, it cloaks over them. I, maybe it holds its energy or something, um, but I also feel like that, that cloak probably does close up if it, if it, if it, is, it does find itself in some type of threat. You know what I mean? What do you think about so far what we've talked about with its description? Any comments? Uh. Yeah, I can agree with the cloak thing. I um, mean, you're talking cloak, you're talking possible spacesuit of a design we've never seen. I mean, it's yeah. reasonable to think that if you have an advanced civilization that can travel a galaxy, they don't wear the same type of, they've gone way past the same type of helmet that we have yeah. uh, when we travel into space. I mean, that's a possibility. If you're talking about a glowing, a glowing face, uh, if you were to take a transparent protective shield, whether it be glass or something else yeah. across, across the face, then yeah, it would be reflective and look like the, make the face look like it glows. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of possibilities in there. And I am one who does not believe the barn owl thing. Right. Yeah. Some people feel that it's a barn owl with the shadows. I think if we didn't say that before in the show, we talked about it maybe before for a little bit. Well, if also, you, take, yeah. you take that town, uh, what's it, Bra- in Braxton County? Yes. I think if you look it up at the time, it has always been very small. Mm. 
Now you have a very small con- county, uh, small town. These people are farmers and hunters, and they can't tell what a barn owl looks like at night. True. I mean, let, let, let's face it. They can probably spot day or night any animal and tell you what it is, what its habits are. I mean, these are country folk. This is this is what it's like. And suddenly, like, some outside expert comes in and says, oh, it's a barn owl. And they kind of raise one, eye, one eyebrow and go, really, dude? I know what a barn yeah. owl looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I got a it's barn like- and it's got owls. <laughs> always these really small towns where this stuff happens. Now, I know there's people out there that don't believe in any type of UFO alien life, but they, they think that it's just humanity from the future. You know what I mean? That it's just us as a more progressed, more intelligent, future uh, futuristic people that we come back in time to communicate. And if that if you were to take that take on it, then then the fact that it's robotic and machine-like it's a little more makes sense in the future. I don't even think it would be that though. I think in the future of the future of this, well, who's to say it is this stuff is time travel isn't happening now, but you know, in the future, um, I'm not even going to go further because who's to say it's not happening now. You know what I mean? But it's one of those things where I could see that and almost the face just being almost like the computer part, the part where you would communicate back. Like it'd be the, te- the, the, the monitor, so to speak, where you almost look into it, you can see them wherever they're at, and they can communicate with you through that, like, you know, like the face of it. Like how I said, the energy, like like a godlike energy, where I think it's just kind of like a big, like, like orb, like it's just a big orb, and that if you would, if, if a human person was to interact with it, that it would, it could be, it could change, like the abyss. It would make itself, it would know every language, every species' communication thing. It would just chime into what you are and be able to make it mold itself into something that you aren't afraid of, that you're comfortable with, and that you could actually have a conversation with and communicate with. I think in the same sense, there's something like that going on. But I do think there's a heavy influence of the science fiction in people's minds at this time. And I won't won't say that people wouldn't stretch their imagination a little bit to to go into it, you know what I mean? But I definitely wouldn't say that this isn't what the, what it could be, you know what I mean? Mrs. May reported that uh, the thing had long, stringy, arm-like appendages protruding from the front with long claws, but most other accounts record claims of no visible arms. The lower half of the monster is often compared to the design of a dress. You know, which the, that could be, you know, that's all those, all the science fiction, all the science fiction kind of monsters always were base heavy because that's where the people were, you know what I mean? And the mechanics to move them around when they did the robots and stuff on TV and movies. So that could influence people's mind as well as anything hovering is going to have that weird vibe of, uh, like that, the like the like a ghost. Like when the ghost, the ghosts look like they kind of have, they're in dresses sometimes. I assume because they kind of fade out towards the bottom. You know what I mean? And you could all. What's your take of this being something paranormal? Um, I don't think so much paranormal. If you're talking about the robe or dress type of thing, if you have a light source on top, and let's say you have a glowing face, and if anything obstructs 
obstructs that light going down, it's going to cast the shadow down. Now, when you're seeing a weird thing and you're in a panic, that shadow area below it is going to look like part of it, that dark area below. Uh, and yeah. your, your mind is, is going to plug something in there, whether it's a robe or a large base or a dress-like thing. Um, as for it being paranormal, I've got doubts about that. I get just as much of a doubt about that as I do about the barn owl. And the, the whole barn owl thing is, I remember, uh, well, I did see a, a documentary on it that they had people who were there, two sides. The show had two sides. They had some scientists trying to disprove it and some other people trying to prove it. Uh-huh. And uh, the people that were trying to disprove it were saying, "Oh, well, you know, you shine a light on the eyes, and uh, they, you know, different animals they glow at night." And the people trying to prove it said, "Yeah, but the whole face glowed. You shine, you shine a light on a person's face; they don't glow red." Right. So it's kind sure. of like a lot, a lot of that got bounced out. I think if it was supernatural or paranormal, I think if you shine a light on it, you wouldn't get a red glow back. That would be there whether you put the light on or not. Yeah. I take, if you to go to the paranormal world, I, my take on a paranormal, uh, any type of comparison, you know, it's a cloaked figure. What if there was some type of person that was that cloaked themselves? It was evil. There was sacrifices made to them. They worshipped the Satanus or something. And they gained all this evil energy. And when they died, maybe sacrifices continued to keep him more powerful until he eventually, you know, we have, you know, we talk about our um, human mind conjurings, you know what I mean? We could build, you can build these weird energies, you know, what's your take on it? That being maybe a weird energy of a demonic thing of through sacrifice and, you know, satanic worship type stuff. You don't think that could be, you know, you I don't think, subscribe. I- I think it's a possibility, but if you have something that's a demonic entity, it's probably going to want to influence people. Yeah. It's probably going to want to have some sort of influence in the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the county and get people to do its bidding. And it doesn't, that doesn't seem to have happened. It seemed to have shown up definitely once, maybe a couple of other times it's been seen and then disappeared. And the manipulative nature of anything demonic doesn't fit into that. Yeah. What about crypto? What about your idea of a crypto where this does have very crab-like features? It is kind of humanoid to a degree. It just doesn't have the feet. You know, the the, the Ace of Spades hood thing, like I said before, could have been a protective thing, almost like a flower in a way that, that would have that a hood that would go over like... You know, it almost has a, the way I look at it, I could almost, the bud, the face is almost like the bud with like the petal that goes over it. Um, the hands are kind of viney, the flower that drapes down. It could just be like a leaf that drapes down. What do you think of something like that? I can see the crypto, even though if so, it would probably have to be something that was near the end of its genetic life. Yeah. Uh, since, since it wasn't uh, seen again and stayed hidden. And that's one aspect that, <clears throat> since it doesn't reoccur like Bigfoot, for instance, yeah. uh, Loch Ness or anything, since it does not keep coming back, I tend to go more with the alien, either interdimensional or other planet traveler, where it was a visit and 
a visit or two and then learned or got what it wanted and left. Yeah, this is like the Dover Demon, the New Jersey Devil, like those <laughs> things in the sense where they only kind of popped on the scene for a couple of weeks or a month, and then they leave, and then but they all they have this folklore forever. You know what I mean? Which stuff like that, it kind of does make you feel like the possibility of a bunch of people trying to hoax it up. You know what I mean? And and try and create something, put it out there for a little bit, and then just bury it away and let the folklore and legend build. Um. I see a problem with the hoax. I would see it a lot easier to do a hoax now with the technology we have, like drones and everything else, yeah. than to do than to do something where you got a red glowing face and the thing flies out at you. That's kind of beyond the technology of that time. If yeah. you're trying to stage something, true. I dude, I remember I seen uh, uh, black and white footage of an alien autopsy. You've probably seen it as well, and it's like some of the most realistic shit I've ever seen in my life, and it was from like that time. I always go, David, the movies weren't even that good. The effects in the movies weren't even that good at that time. I don't know what that's all about. Um, well, in 1952, Kathleen May was taken to the New York City uh, to appear on a cu- the current events TV show called We the People. Um, believe it or not, We the People was the official First idea for the uh, the show, uh, Behold, I think. I think Behold, the, the, the podcast we have on this network, We the People, was, was in the running. Uh, while the original and most iconic drawing of the creature was made, the artwork was commissioned by Lee Stewart and drawn by a New York sketch artist based on Kathleen's description. The drawing has been the basis of the mo- most of the Flatwoods monster art. The newspaper stated that Mrs. May and Jean Lemon found the portrait to be quite accurate. And that portrait is creepy. She looks kind of creepy holding the picture in this picture. But uh, much love. The sketch was later superimposed on a photograph of a West Virginia site by local resident and UFO writer Gray Barker, who wrote an account for uh, Fate magazine in January 1953 based on a tape recorded in the tape-recorded interviews. He stated that the least emotional account was provided by Neil Nunley. Uh, another investigator looking into the signing was Ivan T. Sanderson. I wonder if I can find these, these tape-recorded interviews online. Uh, if I can, your boys are going to try and put them in this episode. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll get, we'll get a little more interactive with our shit. Um, other over the years, there seemed to be some confusion, you know, over if the entity was simp- uh, simply a machine or a living creature. That is a good question. Me and Ray just talked about that for 20 minutes. Uh, the Flatwoods monster is also referred to as a lizard monster, Ray. Uh, on the March 10th, 2010 episode of the television show Monster Quest, I remember that show. Uh, because some people believe that it may have been a power uh, powered craft that a being was piloting rather than a machine or creature in of itself, which you know, I you know I kind of could vibe with that a little bit too. Um, we get some more encounters. Encounters are my favorite. All right, the Flatwoods monster is often. Uh, though to be isolated incident, it's, a, uh, it's often an isolated incident, but as Lauren Coleman points out in his book, Mothman and Other Curious Encounters, 
got our pal the Mothman over there. Uh, there were also other forgotten flatwood type monsters seen during that night in the next in the next around West Virginia. Very interesting. So maybe something happened at this time. You know, the way we were talking about these other entities, they're there for a week or a month, and then you don't hear about them again for fucking a hundred million years. You know what I mean? Like never again. Uh, I wonder if when these occurrences happen, if it's because something super dark, a portal opens up, I don't, like something happens that's not supposed to happen, and you get these creatures for a couple weeks, a month or so. Maybe they come here and they don't know what to eat for food and they die. You know what I mean? Who's to, who's to say why they're only here for a short period of time? Maybe there's hunting groups that go out there, as you assume there would be, that when they find them, they don't. They don't say that they're dead. The bodies, like, they, they, they formaldehyded the body and it's in somebody's basement because they know the, the scientists would have taken it and they wanted that keep, the keepsake, you know what I mean? So, like, who's to say? Anything could really, why they're only here for a little bit and disperse. If it's the alien thing, you know, even E.T. and Mac and me only came down for a little bit before they traveled back up to space. So, I like, you know. I like the... Uh... I tend to go more with the portal thing. If portal one thing were open, sense, yeah. if something were open and something came through for a while and it started to close, it would it would go back. It would definitely go back. I'd also be curious to search old records. Uh, and you're talking about West Virginia. If anywhere near there, there had ever been a government installation. Yeah. And, and what t- what type of things they did there. Yeah, if, because if you're talking about uh, things like uh, experiments, and you're going back to World War II, the Philadelphia experiment in time and cloaking, and mm-hmm. and now now you're talking to government doing a lot of crazy things, particularly with the Cold War going on. They'd want to put it in a location where um, there aren't many people, yeah. and they can conduct their experiments. Did they? In, if what? If in the, a facility existed at that time, did they in fact open up a portal? I agree with the portal. You know, a lot of in the, during the Cold War, a lot of people say that that's where we tried to make contact with other other life, and that we made contact with interdimensional things that came back that we don't want to deal with. And I believe in that stuff heavy. And in our last episode, we talked about ley lines. And, we, and I talked that thing about the triangular. When those ley lines triangulate, and they actually block in the energy, maybe that's how these portals open up, or that's where all this weird negative energy, Bridgewater Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, stuff like that comes from. It'd be interesting to see if someone were, were to check how the uh, what ley lines are around there and if there's a convergence of any of them in that area. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's real interesting stuff. Uh, let's get into some of these cool encounters which i love hearing i love hearing first account stories some kind the first up some kind of glowing light came from a came down near sugar creek before the original flatwood sighting occurred uh, woodrow eagle who called the sheriff in sutton had reported a burning object thought to be a crashed airplane below gasaway on the elk river near sugar creek Sheriff was busy investigating this report of a downed airplane when the family first contacted the police on September 12th, 1952. So that kind of leads a little bit into the fact that somebody else seen something come down. You know, it's interesting. There's sightings of something coming down, 
there's then there are the sightings that the kids and the May family and all that. And then a couple of days later, there's the sighting of it leaving, where the professor, the education professor of education or whatever at the college, the professor from the college, seen it. Um, so like they seen it coming, they seen it when it was here, and they seen it going. Well, maybe uh, the reason why when they investigated that uh, people didn't actually find it is maybe whatever cloaking device they use needed enough energy that they couldn't do it while they were traveling, but they could hide it while they were here. That, you know, stuff like that makes me believe more in the invisibility cloak type deal. And the tech, I, don't know, I think that's an alien technology. I think we could use it too to bend the light and stuff like that and get it from that way. But and a lot of the way that they, it's always these shiny metals and stuff. You know what I mean? And I think that what better way to reflect and to kind of, you know, mess with people you know make it make it so you can't see it if you could reflect it or you could figure out a way to almost project another image over you which they were doing in the 50s they were doing that with matte paintings and stuff like that in movies so it's not too far out of the norm that they could do that with the visual eye out not just the movie but in real life do the same thing but if you're also looking at bending light and reflecting, then you take yeah. a look at the face of this particular monster and the way parts of it are kind of supposedly shining. Um, yeah, that might just be a suit that it can usually use to hide in or make itself invisible. And it became yeah. visible for a while, though you, they were actually seeing part of the invisible suit. Mm. It's, you know... The dimensional thing's very cool because you have, like, when you say, when they say cats, how cats have different eyes than we do, and that they can see different things, and they say they can see spirits and stuff like that because of the, the dimension, and they have different dimension in their eyes, so to speak. And uh, it's kind of a cool idea, and I like I liked the thought that something could be, something like that could just be there in plain sight, that we don't see it because our eyes are just a certain way. You know, and that kind of goes back to that thing that I've said for forever about the frequency. It's like there could be this frequency we block out because it's been there since the beginning. There could also be things that we block out of our vision that we just don't care to see. Or we just, you know what I mean? We're used to it. You know what I mean? A lot of weird things could happen. You know what I mean? We only use a little bit of our brain, right? Well, if, uh, you, take a look, if you take a look at science and you take a look at the visible spectrum that our eyes can pick up, it's only 1%. Yeah. It's 99% of what's out there we can't see. Horrifying. That's horrifying when you think about that. Like, when you really think about those numbers, we 1% out of 100, there's so, there's so much. It's wild. It's crazy. Uh, you think they'll ever be able to figure out a way to tap into that, whether, you know, me- medically through surgery, or I don't know how they would do that. Well, I'm... I'm- to me, it's not so much seeing with the eyes. I think that's where the untapped portion of the brain comes in, where you're yeah. perceiving things more directly through the brain, through energy and interpretation of that energy. That I believe yeah. in, and I believe you can see a lot more that way. Third eye. Uh, but third eye, uh, opening the crown chakra, and I also believe that that sort of work can open up what is called the fifth dimension, the one that we are beyond ours. Mm. and allow you to glimpse into that. That, I believe, is all real. Do I trust my eyes to a degree? But I know they can be fooled. Do I trust my gut instinct more? Oh, yeah. Definitely much more. 
dimensions are made so much scary when you think of the other things that could be in them. It's like very Lovecrafty and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, all the, the like the old ones and stuff like that, and the slimy, creaturey things you don't want to deal with. You know what I mean? Like that. Like imagine that. Like the, the horrifyingness of having to go to a world. I, if people th- if people thought they had to go to a world where they had to, where hell, like their hell was Lovecrafty and type creatures that they had to deal with of slimy, oozy things that stick their stick their tentacle in your fucking nose and like come out your ass or something fucking crazy and just be slimy and go, you know, people they be they'd be better people on this earth, I think. But well, I think I think that something like that is only when we disturb them. I, I really think that to a lot of what you would call entities yeah. in this multiverse, these things we can't see, um, except for some evil ones that have a, uh, a plan or don't like us. Um, I think that there probably is a majority of them. They just leave us alone. Like we're the new kids in a block. Ah, don't, don't pay attention to them. They, they leave, leave them outside, outside being outside of their dimension. Leave them outside. Yeah. Let, let them play until they grow up and then we'll interact. And that could be an alien or an interdimensional being and stuff. And I think there's a, maybe a small percentage that would either visit here out of curiosity or interact with us out of curiosity. Or they're what I would call a lower order of life form that uh, just like, well, if, if you take a pedophile who abuses a kid, you take an evil entity of a supposedly superior race that comes and abuses the children, the children of Earth, the young race. Mm. You ever, you ever think that when you're alive, you have this demon, and the more bad things you do, you feed it and make it more powerful and stronger and more something you don't want to deal with. And then when you die, you're left with your own demon. Uh, I think that you have to confront it when you die. Scary. If you don't confront it while you live, then you confront it when you die. Could it beat you? Could it be when you're dead? Could it be if it's more powerful than you? Could it beat you? Um, I don't think I don't think it would necessarily beat you. Yeah. Um, in in the sense that overtake you and you would disappear. No, I would probably say down. that your your awareness of it and how it exists. Maybe that once you become aware and you're attached to it, that is hell. You lost well, that battle in life, and you've, you've lost it after life, and now this demon is, is what controls you, and your awareness uh, of it produces that hell because you have brought this thing to life. Isn't there a, isn't there a religion that believes that like there that kind of like that where you have this you you if all these bad things you do build up and the, what you want to do is you want to not do the bad things so it's less of a burden weighing you down type deal. Uh, there are, there are some, huh? Yeah, there, there, there are some, I mean, what weighs you down, there are several of them. And what happens when you die is you look at your life and either your attachments or the weight of those things, uh, draw you back into living again until you correct it or you face it, which is kind of a life to life karma thing. Right. Instead of, instead of moving on, you got to be born again. Oh no. (laughs) That's the tricky part. 
On September 12th, the same night as the Flatwoods encounter, two eyewitnesses, George and Edith Edith Snanowski of New York, vacationing, were driving on the road between uh, Gassaway and Frametown, West Virginia, just north of Strange Creek. Their car, equipped with a brand new battery, stalled, mirroring what happens uh, in many UFO reports, a nauseating smell uh, that made their baby gag. George got out of the car and searched for what smelled so badly. I guess maybe he thought it was an animal that was dead or something, but I don't know if I'd get out of the car. Maybe, or maybe a human he thought maybe got hit later, earlier that morning or whatever, I don't know, days before. Looking down the slopes of the highway, real quick, what do you think the smell is, real quick? I don't know. I mean, it, but I will go back to saying, like you said, you didn't know if you'd get out of the car. Yeah. If we're talking about way back when in West Virginia, maybe he got out of the car with a shotgun in hand. And he maybe, again, maybe thought it was a deer he could have thrown his hood and ate or something. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally different culture back then and uh, from where we are up in New England. Yeah. Looking down the slope of the highway, he saw a large globe moving slowly back and forth, ho- hovering over the ground and giving off a soft violet light. George moved closer and felt the sensation of a thousand needle vibra- needle-like vibrations on his skin. That's kind of interesting. It reminds me of those um, remember those little the, the 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 toy where you would put your hand on it and flip it, and it would have the imprint of your hand on it. You could do it on your face and stuff. It was like a it was like the Rubik's cube, and it was like these little metal pins. They wouldn't stab you, but like they'd fall in place and form. Reminds me of that a little bit. Um. So the needle-like vibrations on his skin. That's an, I've never heard that. That's very interesting. But it's very goosebumpy. He probably felt goosebumps, you know what I mean? Uh, on it, then he got sick, and he staggered back to the car. Could You know, nerves. I think the nervousness of what was going on could make you sick. Now, I'm not saying that what he's seeing is not real. I'm just saying seeing something like that would make you nervous, which would make you sick. Um, Edith, Edith screamed and yelled that something was behind him. He turned to see a figure about eight or nine feet tall with a big head, bloated body, and long, spindly arms gliding rapidly towards him. The couple safely inside the car locked it quickly. Terrified, they watched as one of those long, spindly arms with the forked end stretched across their windshield. A couple, the couple crouched down in horror. When George looked up, he saw the monster gliding away. Um, Waiting and waiting, finally they saw the glowing globe uh, swaying back and forth, lifting above the trees and take off into the sky, leaving a light trail. They found a motel in Sutton, tried to sleep, and were startled the next morning when a gas station attendant showed them a V-burnt brown spot on their hood. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Um, if I, if I seen something like that behind me coming towards me, I'd have to vomit myself probably. Um, it doesn't move too quick. You feel like if it was more threatening, it would approach quickly and just take whatever it wanted. You know what I mean? It, almost, it might not, it yeah. might not be used to, uh, moving around in this dimension. It's expending True. a lot of, expending a lot of energy. That's true. That is true. Gravity and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Could be weird on it. It's a good point. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't think I'd be sleeping either. That'd be troubled times. 
You know, the way this thing looks is horrifying. One of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. Um, Creep-wise, creep factor-wise, you know what I mean? Um, The Birch River resident claimed to have seen a bright orange object circling the Flatwoods area. The location of James Knob was said to have been hit uh, hit by one of these objects. There are also rumors that a woman and her mother came forward and said they had seen the same creature at a, at the spot 11 miles away from Flatwoods. You know, so I, it, this is one of those weird things where it just kind of, I think it, something came down. Is it, you know, uh, at the end, I'll give my overall vi- vi- feel. We're coming, we're approaching soon. So, the, the current list of uh, Flatwood monster sightings, we have Woodrow Eagle uh, below Gassaway on the Elk River near Sugarcut Creek, September 12th. All right, and then Edward May, Fred May, and all the kids and the mother and the National Guard dude, that was on the, that was the 12th. Um, also the 12th, George and Edith Snowitzky Road between the Gassaway. So that's when they when it went over, they seen him behind them. So it's all on the 12th. Uh, Birch River residents circling the Flatwoods area. They've seen that. That was on the 12th or 13th. Um, and then the 12th or the 13th, unknown James Knob. And then the woman and her mother, 11 miles away, that was the 12th or the 13th. And then the director of the local board of education, that was uh, on the 13th. So that's when it, it left. So this thing came down on the 12th, was here for a little bit, and left on the 13th. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's quite something, you know what I mean? In 1973, the Braxton County Junior Chamber of Commerce produced a Flatwoods Monster Ceramic Lantern uh, cover as a fundraiser. It is the oldest and longest produced novelty keepsake made into a commemor- commemorative to commemorate the events of September 12, 1952. John Gibson, a local resident of Braxton County, had these unique items handmade in Marietta, Ohio, by ceramic artisan. Each piece was hand-molded, fired, and painted. These lanterns are still produced and are available locally at the Days Inn gift shop and Sunoco Convenience Store, both located within one mile of exit 67 of I-79. Uh, a wooden sign, you know, town, welcome to Flatwoods, home of the Green Monster. You know, so the folklore has become a big deal around there, you know what I mean? Uh, it's one of those things where the town really is kind of celebrating it. Uh, much like Mothman, what we've talked about before, might not be the best thing to celebrate these certain things. You know, even adding to adding to the probably the, the issues of it. You know what I mean? Wouldn't you say? Well, what I would say that yeah, it could add to the issues, but I'm also looking at uh, the local people who uh, experienced this were frightened by it. Um, yeah. over, a period, over a period of time, these stories hit the press. They spread. Some people make fun of them. They're now famous for it. And, you know, you have this town hall meeting where they sit around and they say, listen, we're not going to get rid of this. We know what we saw. But let's these people are all going crazy. Let's take advantage of it. Okay, they, they want to laugh at us. Okay, let's uh, let's make a tourist attraction. At least get some money out of it. We know what really happened, right? But but let let's let's uh, get something going here that the community benefits for. We we can bring some money in and upgrade the school, little roads, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, make a little profit off this, and I see a more of something like that as far as the locals go. 
Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's become quite a pop culture thing over there. Um, we got in 2014, the Braxton County monster chair project project began the Braxton County convention and visitors bureau were inspired to create a series of oversized chairs and the likeliness of the monster and place them around the area as a way to celebrate the legend and bring attention to its history. Troublesome. The first chair was placed in Gassaway, West Virginia at the antique Dairy Queen and Elk River water trail access. The second chair has been placed in the garden of Cafe Semino country and historic downtown Sutton. Third chair is set near the Flatwoods factory outlet stores overlooking the Flatwoods exit of 179 and exit 67. Fourth chair is placed in a Flatwoods beside the town's uh, municipal building. Flatwoods Volunteer Fire Department began selling monster-themed t-shirts and hooded sweatshirts through their website. Shirt sales are a direct fundraiser for new equipment uh, the Volunteer uh, Fire Department needs to better their program, which is cool, I guess. Uh, they got a restaurant called The Spot, novelty-painted billboard featuring the Flatwoods Monster. Uh, just kind of, yeah, this is their deal. This is their gimme You know what I mean? It's also... It's been featured in a couple different video games, a good amount of video games here for what it is. It's another one of those things of it infiltrating the children's minds. It was in a Nintendo game, Amagon, 1988. He was the final boss. It resembles him. Space Harrier 2, set from Sega Genesis in 88. Tumble Bop, uh, arcade game, 1991. Ninja Baseball Batman, arcade game, 1993. I want to play that, actually. Wild Arms, it's a PlayStation 1 game, The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, Friend 64 and 2000. The player is capable of conjuring the Flatwoods monster in the 2009 Scribblenauts game series from Wii, the Nintendo Systems DS, 3DS, the Wonderful 101 Wii U game. You know, it's a boss in that game. Flatwoods Monster is the subject of the 2013 song by Argyle Goolsby and the roving midnight called The Being. Tamadachi Life is a DS game. Flatwoods Monster and Mothman appear in the mystery department. You know, in chapter 218 of the manga, Shrinka, one of the characters is... They used the picture to scare each other. I know. I think in Fallout seventy six that the, he's the, the character is also in there, but yeah, it's a crazy deal, you know. So it was there for one day and came in. So I think there's really kind of two ways to look at this: is it is what it, what it, what what it's claiming to be. You know what I mean? Well, let's say what 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 it, what it, you know. The, the other thing that we won't go into is that it's fake. And it could be, but the possibility of it being some people fabricating this, it would be a deep and, and, and elaborate fabrication. But if people had nothing but time on their hands and were creative, you know, this thing did only show up for, you can't like, the, 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 you know, you, you can't argue the orb. The ship is the biggest probably thing with this. I think that anything... 15 feet's pretty pretty big though, you know, I and mean, that's that is a big fabricated thing. But yeah. So I'm going to lean more with Ray on this one, I think. Where I do think, you know, with that with the ship being involved, I think that there was something really crazy going on here, you know what I mean? Um, what's your final what's your final opinion? 
on the Flatwoods monster? Um, I think it's possibly alien. Now yeah. you got to you got to understand that a ship uh, may, depending upon the life form, be necessary to travel interdimensional. Yeah. So whether it was uh, part of our dimension and our universe, or coming for another one using a portal. Yeah. That's a possibility. So I'll put either someone or something traveling through a portal or an alien life form. Um, I would go with that, the hoax, to be able to pull it off the way it uh, is described at that time with the technology available to pull it off is very doubtful. Uh, People who look back at it um, and laugh at how they commercialized it, well, I see myself, the town people are saying, well, you're laughing at us. We're laughing at you all the way to the bank. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I'm going more with the uh, alien or interdimensional. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, with it being inter... With a craft, it was interdimensional. It could just go into the dimension like that. The fact that it flies away is what would make it alien. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, yeah, I know that in a lot of UFO things, they do seem to disappear, but like the most believable UFO footage I've ever seen on video is a, is a, a, is a shot of a craft and it just disappears. But what they did is they slowed it down to a ridiculous speed and it doesn't disappear. It quickly goes up into the sky, but it looks like it disappears to the human eye because it's so quick. It's just, poof, God, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know, uh, the description, you know, I think it's, this is the, I'm with you, I think it's UFO, I think it's UFO or, or, or a dimensional thing, but I also think that this, that it gets into the heads of people, and they see it as they want to see it, maybe something from a science fiction film, so what they're used to, in the same sense of being able to communicate and understanding something, I think that they almost... I think it's almost an orb or something. Maybe it is that mist. That maybe the organism is the mist that's bre- that they breathe in. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a mist. It's not even a full functioning body type thing. It's a mist that's there investigating. You breathe it in. You see. You see it. However, it's wanted. To, however, you can comprehend. You know what I mean? It does what it does, and then it leaves. You know, and you know, in situations like with the. Mutilate the beef Skinwalker Ranch episode. It's like these these cows are chilling, no issue. They leave for a second, they come back, they're mutilated. If a cow seen one of these things floating up to it, I don't think it would just chill. I think it would be like, and get the fuck out of here. So like maybe in a situation like that, it is like a mist where it just floats down. You don't see it. You breathe it in. Damage is done. That's that. But in your head, you got to comprehend something, you know. I think a lot of people would probably pass out if they seen something super crazy. You know what I mean? I dude, I wouldn't be the visual of this, me seeing that in real life, I'd be shook. I'd be like super shook. I'd probably have to take a knee. You know what I mean? Like I, I can see, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's something else. You know, I, I, the, 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 you get the same thing with ghosts too, though. You know what I mean? You're caught up in the moment and you see something weird and you're not like, Whoo, you're not fanning out because you just seen something your mind can't handle. You know, you're in it. You're, oh, it's so exciting at that moment that you're like, whoa, you're in it. In it. So it's like that kind of. But I, yeah, I, I, I vibe with the interdimensional thing or a UFO, uh, some alien type life. 
but I do think that it's more of a what you what you what what you the way you see it is kind of uh, left to up to your interpretation of what you think it would be like a comprehension type deal. I think a lot of things with higher power and higher intelligence. I think that's with how they deal with things. You know, the same way that a cop, if, if a kid was involved in a bad crime or whatever, a cop's going to come in, be very nice, be very kid-like to it so he can relate to the kid so they can get what he wants out of the kid. You know what I mean? I think it's the same way like that where they come down, they put themselves in a situation where it's not as threatening as I guess it could be. And you kind of open up to it a little bit and there can be some type of communication there. I think it's almost like that where they're a higher, they're more intelligent, but they know how to deal with us in a way. And they know that if they also showing us what they look like in their real physical form is, 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 um, I, it's a card I wouldn't pull with a species. You don't understand. Why would you let them know what you are? You know what I mean? Why would you let them know what you look like? You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. It's like, because then that also has the whole take of either good or bad to it. Um, but even if they're good, they still, why would you, you know, humanity does some terrible things to ourselves. And they know, they know that if we seen them as something that we thought was a threat to us, that we would try and stop them from living before we thought they were trying to stop us from living. And I think they understand, under know the survive, the animal survival instincts of humanity as well as how we jump to conclusions, you know what I mean? And, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we've been shown to be kind of a group of people that, you know, take things by force. Now, not everybody feels that way, but the people that we allow to make these decisions, you know, they take things by force. So when you're looking down on something like that, you know, it, it, as we've often talked about, it ain't a good look. Sometimes it's not a good look for humanity, the way we act. So that's why there's no full open open borders into the into dimensional worlds you know what i mean but yeah i think i definitely i'm i'm jiving with this as being a reality thing the look of it i love i think the looks great i'm very curious about all the all the folklores that have just come down for that you know that that this was two days you know what i mean and when you hear two days and never again you can kind of lean into the speculatory degree of like well maybe it was some people doing some crazy stuff but you all, the saucer thing is what you can't really. And this is coming from a time where you ain't putting a drone up in the air. You know what I mean? Um, it's very hard. The, the, the most believable stuff is people seeing stuff going, coming and coming and going. The lights, um, you know, some of the, you know, in the stories of like the scorched earth, you know what I mean? That's some stuff that you can explain, but can't really in some situations. The smells and the black liquid, you know. Uh, we always hear about this black liquidy stuff. I want to figure out if any if somebody had to have taken a, a, taken a little a little little you know specimen of it and tested it. You know what I mean? Like they had to have done tests on it. Like what is that? I want to know what's in it's in this black liquid. That'd be big things. That's that's undercover brother stuff that we're not allowed to know. But yeah, I think that's what I'm with. I'm with Ray on this. I think that. Uh, it's definitely something dimensional, UFO, something we don't know. It's definitely something we don't know. And I don't think it wants us to know what it is. Because then if it has the upper hand, it always has the upper hand with us not knowing what it looks like. If you don't know what your enemy looks like, you don't have an enemy. You know what I mean? 
um, unless it's online enemies, haters on the, on the webs. But, you know, so, yeah, I think that's kind of, uh, that's it. Do you want to say anything else in closing on the Flatwoods monster? Uh, no, I think it was something, no matter what it was, that actually did occur yeah. um, in that period of time. I agree with you as far as the alien possible uh, portal thing. But something happened at that time in that narrow span of time. And I'll also leave it open a little bit, like you were talking about, um, if, if someone took samples of the black stuff. Uh, yeah, that would disappear into a government lab. Um, some stories along the way, suddenly people changed and came up with something else. That's a definite there's a hint of a cover-up thing there a little bit, but there's yeah. enough There's enough behind it to say that, yeah, something popped in for a visit from somewhere uh, for a couple of days, and these are the stories about that visit. Yeah. But I, and I do think that when they when they do discover, and you know that there is, that black stuff's in a vial somewhere. Because them not to take it is the most foolish thing in the world. But, like, that's how I think we get some of the weird things we get. Um when people talk about us using technologies and stuff like that's what it is. It's them getting that chemical, breaking it down. You know what I mean? Finding a craft, breaking down every, you know, what, what allows it to go quick, what allows it to be see-through, you know what I mean? What allows it to travel so far? Um, you know, in all these, the metal or whatever, the, the whatever is around the outside of that craft it's got to be some special type of metal that could, you know, be probably super duper beyond freezing. Could be in ha- in fucking the fires of hell for twenty years straight and not ever lose its shine. You know what I mean? And uh, the stuff like that, I think, you know, they they, they try and use that. Uh, what do you ever think about the like all these weird metals that they kind of use that they find if they, if they all all these weird metals being posted up in different places of the world if they sent off a, a different vibe imagine if that was the vibration like these these materials were dropped here for us to use and because we post them up in different parts that they all kind of connect with the frequency that and that that's what they want what do you think about something like that makes sense to me yeah it kind of does oh all right <laughs> well that was a good this was a good episode that was interesting stuff um, again, go check out pictures of this thing. You watch pictures, you see pictures, you listen to this episode all over again because it really is a cool looking thing. Um, it's very science fiction movie like, but it has its touches of reality in there. And uh, that's all you can ask for. You know what I mean? So, with that being said, you know, we hope you enjoyed this episode as well. If you do, go subscribe on the Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, wherever you listen to this podcast, we have numerous other podcasts. If you want to learn about them, check out Boombastic Media's Facebook page. And that has all our shows on there. Check out the Mostly Ghostly Facebook page. Give it a like. You know, drop us some info. Throw us a throw us a comment. You know, give us some uh, what you want to hear from. Again, we're always looking for guests. Always, whether you are in the field or just a fan or love discussing it, we want to talk to you. You know, we love talking to people that love talking about this stuff. So hit us up if you want to support. We got a Patreon page, Boombastic Streaming. Get all our films and our uh, podcasting stuff via there. We got some exclusive stuff going up. 
Um, yeah, I know film stuff starting up again. We got a couple events. We got just scheduled. We got two. We got two film events popping off uh, that we you know you, can, you guys will find out a little bit later uh, coming on if you check out the Boombastic Films page. Well, if anybody's in New Hampshire area, Barrington, New Hampshire, myself, Ray, Alexander the Hawk, maybe Buddy Butterfuco, uh, maybe some other Boombastic people will be going to Happenstance. Horror Fest to show a couple films and promote a new short and uh, do it big. We'll have a poster. We might even have some GPS posters. And if we do, grab yourself a GPS poster. With that being said, we hope everybody is well. And we'll catch you all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.